Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring Program is for high-achieving and ambitious mid-level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings. How are you today? I have a guest. And as you guys know, I don't have guests very often. So when I find somebody who is a gem like this guest today, I want to share her with you. Her name is Heather Younger. And uh, first of all, Heather, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, why don't you start by telling everybody about yourself? Just give them a little background. Well, let's see. Uh, I've been working in the space of employee engagement, loyalty, leadership for a long, long time. Uh, I live in Colorado, have four kiddos, have a podcast myself by the name of Leadership with Heart, and I have a brand new book called The Art of Caring Leadership. What's important to know about me is I lead fully with my heart and sometimes too much, and that's okay. It, I, I, it is what it is. And I really, I love deeply. So I would say those are the most important things to know about me. Fabulous. And you live in Colorado, which I just think is such a beautiful place to to be. It is indeed. (laughs) Excellent. So today we're talking about if you want to lead others, lead yourself first. And, And this was a topic that actually Heather had a whole group of leadership topics. And I remember my notes when we got ready for our pre-call was like, let's just explore and see which one makes the most sense for our audience. Cause I, it was like, I felt like a kid in a candy store. There were so many great topics. (laughs) And so we settled on this topic um, and it just really resonated, I think for me and which usually means it resonates for my audience. So why don't you start by telling us why do you think it's so important to lead ourselves before we try to lead others? I always say like, you can't give from an empty cup, you know, you can't give what you don't have. A lot of people talk about that. You hear that a lot and it's so true. And it becomes, you know, as a mother of four, I, they are the ones who teach me the most. And I realize how much I do need to kind of focus on myself. I find myself as a leader in my home, getting really irritated if I haven't taken the time for me, if I haven't grown me, if I haven't fed me. So it became real obvious just being in the home with four kids and then obviously working in the workplace with team members, it's that same thing that you start to get a little bit, uh, if if you're pouring, 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 that cup gets empty fast. And it's like, okay, so if I want them to be, if I want them to show their brilliance and I want, and I want to help them grow and learn and get them training courses and things, I have to do the same for me. If I want to help them have a clearer vision of what their why is, I have to do that for me, right? So there's all these things that if you don't, you just can't be effective. And we're really talking about self-care, which I define much broader than going to get a manicure every couple of weeks. <laughs> it's it's this whole this whole 360 view of how we take care of ourselves so that we can show up as the best version of ourselves for whomever we are showing up for. Would you agree? 
self-care is like one component under self-leadership for me because there's so many other things. But when you, if you want, you could use them interchangeably easily. Self-leadership, self-care could still, because self-care could be super broad and it could be just synonymous with self-leadership. Exactly. Right now I have, like how I've organized my book is that it's one of the components of self-leadership, but I, I see exactly the angle you're taking. And I think there's nothing wrong with saying that for sure. So you've kind of divided this self-leadership um, topic into six subcategories or six areas. Why don't you get us started on the first one? So the first one is this idea of understanding your why for leading. You often hear this, even just if you think about organizations, so if you take it at very high, high, like 30,000 foot level, you see, and, and peop, there are projects happening, there are processes going forward, there is change taking place. And people, what is the first person, what, what, are, the, what, is, what are the questions they ask? What do they ask? Why? Why is a change necessary? Why is this project happening? Why are you instituting a new process? It's that same thing for us as leaders. We have to ask ourselves the why. Why are we leading? Why were we, were we called to lead? Like by some external source? Were we called to lead by an internal source? Right? Um, those are the things I think that we have to get to the bottom of. And when we understand the why, it helps fuel everything else. In fact, it helps us, it helps to create more resilience around us too, because when our why is strong and we're passionate around it, we're centered on it, like there's not much that can knock us off course. And I assume there are better and worse reasons for your why. So there, what would be an example of a really great, great why and, and a not so great why? If you don't mind, I, I'm going to read just a short why from another leader, because sure. I think it's great to have examples. So I, I interview about 80 leaders for this book. And um, one that I like here, that I love here, actually, I'm not going to go into the one that I really, really love because it's longer, but boy, it's good. Um, so there's one that's by Judith Scamone. She's a senior vice president of Chief Town Officer at MetLife. So she says, my inspiration is I, I do feel like I'm put here for a purpose and very in touch with the fact that that's that there's some god-given thing that i'm here to fill for this world and i have a responsibility to do it and part of that i know is has to do with helping people to be their best selves and i feel that we spend so much time in our workplaces why not have the best our best selves show up there that's her why Ooh. so it's like everything she does she can she can be like ah it's uh, boring you know everything is a whatever this thing i don't like this project but if she has this thing where it's like i'm uplifting the human spirit i'm making sure people are arriving at their best selves and helping them show up there it does help you get out of bed with a little bit more pep in your step, right? Now, I think a bad why or like a why that I'd be like, Ugh. if that's your why, we might want to like walk away. And that would be like, I, I, I actually just like to have power and authority over people. I like to be in control. And that's the reason, that's the reason why I'm in this position, period. Doesn't mean you, because I, I, I don't think that's bad in and of itself to a certain extent. I think you need to have other things around it. That, that why has to, has to elicit in you some things maybe back from childhood memories. It has to, it has to, because when you say your why out loud, it has to inspire others too, to want to follow. And if you're saying, I just want to do it to have power and authority, that's not going to do anything for anybody. And it's going to scare everybody away. (laughs) But if you can say something like the way Judith has, wow, like who wouldn't want to get behind somebody who had a strong why like that? Do you recommend articulating that in writing and really, really crafting that? I do think so. It's interesting. Some years ago, I, w- I went to this, it was a small conference and they, it was like a summit and there was a person who was there who was kind of helping us get to the bottom of our why. And my why, I have changed the way I frame it now, but it really boils down to I, that in, in the organizational space or in the coaching space or whatever I'm doing professionally, or to be honest, even personally, is that I like to help others find their truth. 
not my truth. I like others to find their truth. So mm-hmm. I help them find their truth. And that's a foundational, like a like why for me as a human. And so the truth, for example, with an executive could be like, you actually have more in you than you think. You actually have more positive power to help people have, live better lives than you think. Um, organizations, it could be like, finding the truth could be the voices of their employees. You actually can find out what your employees need and here's how you do it. But you have the ability to do it. You just haven't been accessing it. Um, when you get to the bottom of that, you're finding the truth. That's mine. And I know that that's what I set out to do. I'm always trying to help people find their truth. So it's always figuring out what that is. But I had to kind of go through an effort of writing, how do I narrow this down so that my why isn't so darn big? You can do it, do it through stories. Because there's mm-hmm. a lot of stories I tell around saying how I help people do that, right? But, um, but I think in the end, if you can have a why statement that at the core, you know it's you, you know it's, it's just who you are, it's, it's powerful. I think it's also powerful in a couple of other ways. And one is if you're looking for a new position and, and you know, I, I work in the job search transition space, you can look for companies that align with what your why is. And also as you choose projects, you know, sometimes we don't have that option, but when we do have the option of choosing uh, whether to take on a project, whether to volunteer for something, if we check in with that why, it can really help us to know whether we're on the right track or not. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So that's that's number one is you're finding your why. What's the second area of self-leadership? The second one is about being congruent. When we think about congruence, it really is saying, here are the things that I value. So I'm clear about what I value um, and as it relates to behaviors and outcomes. And I'm going to act in congruence with the thing I value. I'm going to act in alignment with that. And when I don't, then I may be really unhappy with myself and maybe other people around me might call me out because they see I'm not being congruent. And uh, one of the stories I tell in the book on this is from Howard Bihar. And he's a gem. He's like over 80. He's a former president of U.S. Star, uh, US Starbucks. And uh, he talks about a time when he's at, he goes out to dinner with his, with his wife. He's an author. He's written a couple books, a couple, one of them at least from, about Starbucks. And so he's at, he, he, but, and she writes well, she writes really well. And he is like, listen at the table. He's like, oh my gosh, you are such an amazing, you should just be an author. Like you should write books. And she's just like horrified. No, I know I write well, but I don't want to be an author. I want to do what I'm doing, which is kind of like a caretaker. I don't want to, I want to continue to do what I do and care for others. I don't want to do this other thing. And so they get in this big, huge argument. In the end, he ends up sleeping on the couch and he (laughs) says to himself, I was so disappointed in myself. I mean, disappointed myself because I wasn't congruent with this. He has a personal value statement that he has. And and it's basically about uplifting the human spirit and making sure that like basically he, he uplifts himself and then others and that he does that, you know, in, intentionally. And he felt like he failed because he hadn't uplifted his wife's human spirit. He didn't, he didn't, he was talking, he was thinking of himself only. So this idea of being congruent is so critical. You think of congruence, you can think of integrity. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a, there's a, there's a parallel there. Cause if I have personal integrity, it means I am. I'm doing things that I believe in and what I believe in are the things that are right. And I'm, I'm behaving in line with that. Now, can we be congruent, congruent all the time? I don't think so. And I'm a pretty congruent person, <laughs> but I, I'm not congruent 100% of the time. It's something to strive for in self-leadership. I like that one, congruency. Okay, so that's number two. What's number three? Number three is this idea of being intentional. And I have to say that probably the entire book could be boiled down to that one word, intentional, uh, because 
caring leadership can't happen by accident. It, it does. It does require a certain amount of uh, just real focus, purpose-focused person uh, that's really trying to walk the walk. So intentional is a big one. And so if you want to be that person who's known as someone who cares, you have to set out to do these things. And I, that's why I lie. I say these are nine behaviors with sub behaviors or practices and with stories that show you how uh, and tactical tips that also kind of back that up. And when you have what you need in your hands to get you this thing that's really nebulous, otherwise care, how do I care? How do I show more care? Why not go do it? Well, and the intentionality is is something that I certainly have observed in in the leaders that I admire. They they just simply don't let their lives happen to them. And I think many many of us walk on this earth at the effect of our lives rather than affecting our lives and making them what we want them to be. And I just I see that commonality very clearly in the leaders I admire. Yeah, it's a big one. It's it's it really is. Um... I, I, I do the same thing. It's like, I have a pro I have a thing I do. It, it's a self-care process intentionality, but it's like in the morning I get up, you know, Monday through Saturday and it's no fail unless I'm feeling really, really ill. I get up, do I do my workouts? I have my same thing to eat every day. Like people, you know, it's very consistent. They know exactly my kids. Everybody knows exactly what I'm about to go do. Usually mm -hmm. when I'm going to do it, of course, sometimes obviously in the middle of the day, those types of things get a little broken up depending on meetings, but I always try to be very consistent in certain of those patterns but the level of intentionality gets you intentional results. And I do that thing. I do that with everything. So it's the same thing with team members. If I'm looking to recognize them, if I want that, if I felt like I haven't recognized them or told them how much I appreciate them or value them, I set out to do it. It's not by accident. Mm. I remember some years ago, I worked at a place and people and the managers would all say, I don't understand. They would, they would say it kind of in a, like a not so great way. Like, how do you have so much time? You take so much time to recognize people. Like how much, how do you have so much time for that? Like, basically, are you not getting any other work done? And I'm like, actually, we get quite a bit of work done. And it's because I do show a lot of appreciation. <laughs> and yes. And, you know, and I, to, to that point, and I don't know if this is one, of, if I'm stealing one of your points, but the leaders that I admire never say I'm busy. They just don't, that's just not in their vocabulary. Mm -hmm. They have time, they are present when they're with me, or if I am, Maybe I'm, they're not with me, but I'm with them, such as a podcast. Um, I'm thinking of one in particular. Um, she is 100% present with me. And, and the leaders that I've known that I admire are just there. You know, you don't see them flitting around frenetically trying to get things done. They are, they have that time to spend and be intentional with their employees and with themselves. Mm -hmm. Love Absolutely. it. Love it. So that was, yeah. what was that? Number three? I think so. <laughs> Yes, that was number three. Good. Number four. Uh, it's having a support system. So not, you know, yes. basically, you know, this is going to be a coach, a mentor. It could even just be like a, a informal group of people that you're reaching out to. But, you know, trying to do this all by yourself is not something that's going to, you know, you have to have a safe space yourself as a leader to be vulnerable and, and you just can't do it. I, um, there's one of the leaders I talked to and he, uh, and he talks about having this thing called a personal board of directors. So instead of having mm. just like one mentor that you meet with once a month, or whatever, he feels like that might overwhelm or just be too hard or too much to ask from one. And so he kind of aligned um, and created maybe, you know, four or five people and he calls his personal board of directors and he goes to them each for different things. And maybe it's only once a quarter or once every six months. But when you, when you stagger it like that, you're probably still talking to someone once a month or once every two months. So you always have that direction and you always have somebody to bounce things off from. So that, that, that support system would be critical. 
So it sounds like it's it's someone that you can be vulnerable with, open and honest. You can let your guard down. It's a safe, trusting space, much like a coach, but it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. that coaching relationship. But I think I think your point is so well taken that many leaders kind of have to be on the whole time they're in their job. And there's a certain amount of invincibility that they want to try to portray in the sense of confidence that this is the direction we need to go. We don't want to see you. Nobody wants to see their leader in doubt and in, in waffling about decisions. And so having that safe space to go and have those conversations so that you can come back to your team and be the leader they need you to be is so important. Absolutely. I like that one. I like that. A personal board of directors. I think I need one of those. I'm going to work on. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm working on that too, actually. I am working on that. I think it's absolutely necessary. It's interesting enough, I think some of the people I've met on my show, I can see a few of them being on that because they already, some, there are already some steps ahead or, you know, some of them are right where I'm at, but some of them are some steps ahead. And so that would be important to to ask to, you know, if they're leading large organizations or even just medium size, whatever it is. And it's like, uh oh, you know, if I, wherever I is, they, they say that too. I often hear that you, you want to get people who are either where you're at or you want to be, um, like aspire to be not necessarily right. the person, you know, not, they're not in a replica of you. They just happen to be kind of in a place where maybe you aspire to be that way when they're mentoring you, they're kind of moving you in their direction. So that's the other, that's mm-hmm. another tip I would say in that regard. What is the expression? If you're the smartest person in the room, get a new room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I look for that room a lot. <laughs> All right. So that's four. What's number five? Exercising self-care. Um, and that's what <laughs> yes. we kind of talked about. So, so this is the, for me, self-care is like whole person. So all of you, so mental, spiritual, financial, just all angles of you as a leader. Um, think of yourself as like, you're actually in many regards, the most important resource or asset on the team, because uh, you just, you're kind of like a mini version of that executive leadership team. So people are looking to you as like the decision maker as like the most important person, because you get like, get to say yes or no, you get to like give a part, part of the budget or not. And so knowing that you really have to take care of you, you have to really uh, envelope yourself um, I have, I, I'm not perfect at this, you know, again, a mother of four kids, I, I get, I try, I struggle with this. I work on this every day. I have two gift cards right now, spa, spa car gift cards. I haven't used. Um, <laughs> one of them is about to expire in June. And I'm telling you one thing, Girl, that card will not expire. No. I'm going to get my salt rub scrub and I'm going to get my pedicure manicure. I'm going to get it. I will not expire. But so that's part of it is this idea of taking care of you physically, but this is also this idea now that is really underneath, but inside of self-care and it's self-compassion. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing where we as leaders, oh my gosh, we are so hard on ourselves. We are so, we, and often, particularly, you know, women, but not always, yes. we are more likely to want to give compassion and you know, empathy to other people, but we don't want to do it to our, for ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves. So self-compassion is a form of self-care. And it says like, I'm, I'm going to nurture my own spirit. I'm going to give myself grace, not just to others. Um, to not be perfect. And so this is a huge one. Self-care is just, it is, I can't understate this one enough, right? Or overstate this one enough. I, I've talked it. about this topic in, in different forms on the podcast so many times, but it's that, and I've told the story about listening to my own coach's podcast. And she talked about drawing a line in the sand one day about negative self-talk. And I thought, well, 
if she can do it, I can do it. So I just decided right then and there that I was going to draw that same line in the sand and became aware because I don't, I never suffered from a lot of negative self-talk, but it was there in some really insidious ways. And so I began an awareness practice, seeing where that was showing up and, and just drawing that line in the sand. And it's become such a rare thing that I will say anything negative about myself that it really stands out to me. And when I do it, I, I have compassion for myself. So when it, it's usually I can look at, oh, you're tired, you're sick, you had a you know rough interaction with someone. And I can look at the cause of it, you know, uh, probably where that came from, and then just have that compassion for myself. But I just will not allow myself to talk to myself in a way that I would never allow another human being to talk to me. Mm, yes, that's so true. And that's good. That's good for you. I, I, I'm pretty good at the negative self-talk. And, I'm, and yeah, I, I have to get better in that regard, right? Like I, I tell people like this caring leadership journey is not about perfection. It's about continuous improvement. It's about, it's really about constant reflection, constant uh, tweaking and uh, adjusting right here and there. And it's the art of caring leadership because it does require our own brushstrokes, right? It's our own unique kind of artistic way of showing up as leaders. And not everyone is going to do the exact same thing. And while I outline nine behaviors, it's going to be exhibited differently, which is why I highlight all these different stories. It's like, wow, that one showed up that way. And that one showed up that way. And boy, they both made me feel good by just reading the story, right? I wonder what it makes the people on the other end do that. So, so that with all of this, caring leadership is about the end user experience. Uh, the end user being like the team member or the child or the community member, whoever, you know, wherever you're leading. And so I think that's important to know too. But, but again, we start with us first. That's such a good point is, is looking at these things and thinking, okay, one size does not fit all. And how does, what would self-care, for example, look like for me? And what is, what does, you know, integrity and congruence look like for me? And making sure that you're not just trying to, to wholesale copy someone else's version of that thing and make it work for you, because then you're not going to be in integrity. Nope. You won't, and people will sniff it out, which actually leads me to this other behavior, which is okay. being authentically you. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. That's one of my favorites. You have to be authentically you. Um, I, there's a, I'm going to read a little bit from the book. One of the most important things is to know yourself. People see authenticity and they know it right away when they see it and they'll get behind that. And I do love that because they, they will, if they're like, this person is so real, like this is, this person's real. And because they're real, I want to follow that person. If they're some fake knockoff version of some other leader in the organization, then they can see that, right? And I think that that's huge. And now authentic doesn't, hear, I do want to qualify this. There are people who say, well, I'm just being authentic and they're jerks. Okay? <laughs> you're being an authentic jerk. <laughs> yeah. And so just, let's just recognize that you're being authentically a jerk. And, and if you know, if you're listening and you kind of just have jerk tendencies, just be authentic, just know that that's who you are. And now having said that, it's not okay for, to be showing and expressing that part of you all the time, because then again, when we talk about the, all these other chapters, these other behaviors there, it's, you're not going to be able to reconcile it. You're not going to be able to reconcile this idea of, um, you know, creating safe spaces, or you're not going to be able to re reconcile this idea of making people feel important if you're walking around like a jerk. So yes, authenticity does mean we're, 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 we're to the, we are trying to reveal the best of ourselves, the best of ourselves, and we're walking that way and walking that talk as much as we can be. But it doesn't mean we're revealing all the worst of ourselves all the time, everywhere, and it's just spilling out and we're making people feel like not so great. 
Uh, That is just not the same thing. You tend to see those people saying things like, this is just who I am, right? They, they, it's like, I don't even need to, you know, I just can't change it. It's, it's such a, it's such a D, um, a demoralizing, but also, uh, you know, you're, you're giving all your power away. If you really believe that this is just who you are and it's a jerk. Exactly. Yeah. And certain people can and can't, you know, can't be changed. You try it and they try, they attempt it and they go right back to their ways. And it's just, it's too much work to try to, because I mean, I've worked with a lot of tough people. I've worked with, I've just worked with, yeah, it's just that way. <laughs> I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it gets hard. And I've, you know, I see, I'll see a little change and then they kind of want to revert back. And that's kind of, that happens to us. I talk about that in the book. I'm like, listen, we're a mashup. We, we have big egos. Uh, we, you know, we try to go down this road and we keep, we keep falling down. And it's not about falling down. It's about like, how many times can you get up? And can you fall back? Can you fall down um, faster, get up faster? Can you, can the time between the fall down be longer? Like, these are the things we're looking at. And, and it's, it's weird to say that, isn't it? It's like, I'm not, I'm telling you, get, go fall down. You're going to be a jerk. Like, like if it's your personality, like that could be you, you're a jerk. But can you be a jerk? Like, instead of being a jerk every single day, now you're a jerk every two weeks. Okay. So now are yeah. you a jerk or mom? You know, really? And it's right. like, how do we make this? that's where the brushstrokes are at. And, and it seems like you can also, when you're, you're dealing with being a jerk or some really negative visual or, or obvious character issue, you, you learn how to account for it, right? So <laughs> I'm thinking of an old boss that I had. And, and so she was, she was my boss uh, early in my, my college career. And the secretary told me, when you see I'll call her uh, Sue. When you see Sue come in in a suit, she's in a really bad mood. She's having, she's armed for bear. And I was like, poo poo, papa, that's just dumb. And then one day Sue said to me that she was dressed up because she was in a bad mood. And so I started really putting the pieces together. And you think about what kind of an environment that would set right? Like she was in the door that morning, like, oh, this is going to be a great day. She's really dressed up today. (laughs) And so like having, like having people around you, but also like, okay, um, you know, having that perspective for, for Sue to say, okay, my office has now figured this out. So what can I do? What are some fixes here? Because I walk in the door in this really nice suit and they know it's going to be a hell of a day. So how can I, how can I be better? How can I show up as a better version of myself for my people? Um, I think that's a, that's a really important one. And, and we all have met people who are situationally very different people. Um, and one of the biggest compliments people give me when they get on a consult with me is I met, I heard you on the podcast. And now that I'm meeting you one-on-one in a zoom meeting, you're exactly the same person that you were on the podcast. And so they feel that congruency and that integrity and that, that puts them at ease and makes them feel comfortable with, with the idea of working with me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. I, I, I agree. I agree. And I think, um, Ego is just a big part of, of leadership. I mean, we wouldn't be leading people if we didn't have a certain level of confidence in ourselves and our abilities. We didn't have some drive to lead others. You know, there has to be some kind of drive. Who knows what that drive is, but that kind of thing. So we, we are all constantly battling and in, in trying to reconcile our needs with others. And, and often others' needs actually do win out, which is why we talk about self-leadership. It is the most robust chapter in the book. It's it's the thing that's at the, it's the number one, you know, starting point for all else. It is kind of that doorway 
for all mm-hmm. the other caring leadership um, behaviors. That last one, actually, I did have seven. And then the seventh one was just about owning your own growth. And, that, oh. and I think we're talking about that right now. It's like, how do we, how do we build our skills? How do we make sure um, that, that we fill our gaps? If we have a coach or we, we, we need to go to training to learn more about emotional intelligence and how to control our, our tempers and, you know, things like that. So, you know, all of this that we just talked about, go just all go together, blend well, but go together to produce a really powerful force, a positive, powerful force. When I talk about power and authority, I'm not talking about that stuff where it's like you're pointing your finger, you got your finger on the person and you're telling them no, you're screaming at it. That's, that's not the kind of power I'm not talking mm-hmm. about. That. I'm just saying uh, powerful, meaning, wow, you can change lives with this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's life-changing. So that's, that's something I wanted to add there is the dot on the eye. Absolutely. And I want you to go over those again, but before we do that, Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. Tell them a little bit more about your book and and we're going to put that all in the show notes, but uh, how do you want them to reach out to you? Um, I, so I'd say two, two ways. One, please go connect with me on LinkedIn. You just look up Heather Younger and you'll find me there. And the other thing would be theartofcaringleadership.com. It's kind of a cool place to go because it has like four different uh, free downloadables, a beautiful, colorful infographic that outline, outlines the nine behaviors. You can also get the first free chapter um, of the book for free again. And then uh, there's like a postcard and then some other the tip sheets is tip sheets in there. So the art of caring leadership is a good place to go as well. Oh, that's excellent. I'll have to visit that site as well. And so um, let's go over those, those points again. So give them to us one more time. Okay. So understanding your why for leading is number one. And number two is uh, being congruent with your value system and who you, who you, what you say you value. Uh, being intentional in everything you do. So don't, things aren't caring leadership doesn't happen on purpose. Have a support system. So some personal board of directors, some mentors, some coach, some friends that you can go to that's a safe space. Exercising self-care. So taking care of you inside, outside, spiritually, every, every way you can. Uh, being authentically you. So authentically you with some filters, if you're a jerk <laughs> and, and owning your own growth. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Heather, this has been fantastic. I think this is great content for the listeners and I hope you guys will go visit. Um, the, give it to us again. Was it the art of caring leadership? Yep. The art of caring leadership.com. Oh, excellent. I can't wait to visit it myself and uh, you guys take care and I will see you next week. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.